everyone, and welcome to the 100th episode of the Backseat Directors Podcast! Yes, that is right. This is our 100th episode. We have finally hit our centennial milestone, and it feels so good. But what I'm feeling the most right now, uh, honestly, is a huge level of gratitude. Gratitude and appreciation to all of you, the listeners. Back in March of 2017, I launched the very first episode of the Backseat Directors Podcast. The show has evolved and grown over time, uh, even with a year-long break mixed in as well. Uh, But in spite of everything that has happened along the way, this has been an incredible and very memorable journey. And I just want to thank all of you for the support that you have given me. Today's episode is a special one, along with my regular co-host Ryan Nevin. I've also invited some of my good friends, Mikey, and the formal review onto the show. These three guys have been with me nearly since the beginning. We've established a great friendship over the years, and our love of movies has been at the center of it all. So this uh, this being our 100th episode, we are going to revisit the very first movie I ever reviewed on the podcast, that being Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. We'll also discuss the current state of Star Wars and what we're looking forward to in the galaxy far, far away. But before we start the show, I just want to publicly thank my wife, Amy Jane, who was the spark and the catalyst behind Backseat Directors. Not only did she come up with the name of our show, but she also has been one of the main motivating forces to push me uh, and to uh, to create something new. Thank you, Amy Babe. I will always be grateful to you. I'd also like to publicly thank my wife's brother, Jeff Thomas, who was the original creator of the Backseat Director's branding, colors, and logos. The show really came to life with his design and artistic talents. And last but certainly not least, I want to give a shout out to the band that gave me full permission to use their song as the Backseat Director's theme song with Let's Go to the Movies. This song has become synonymous with Backseat Directors and I have only them to thank for that. So thank you, Ozo Motley. Go check them out on iTunes and give them a follow on Instagram. But all right, listeners, without further ado, let's begin the show. Ryan, how's it going, my friend? Hey, dude. How are you? 100th episode. 100th episode, man. (laughs) It's hard to believe. It really is hard to believe. Uh, I I just, I don't know, man. Sometimes I just don't have any words to describe what it's like to have been doing this for so long. And Ryan, you have been, you've been really part of this from the beginning. Like from the get go, do you remember when you reached out to me on on Instagram? Yeah, like it was yesterday. <laughs> I, I can't remember exactly what I, what I sent you, but I think you I think you followed me, uh, and then I remember looking into like what you were doing, and then I remember seeing obviously you did like your whole premise was having guests on, and I yeah. was I was obviously starting out, and I was, so I messaged you and I about seeing if I could be a guest, and and then it was all downhill from there, wasn't it? <laughs> Hopefully, it was uphill. <laughs> But yeah, there were definitely a lot of downhill parts too. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, listeners, this is our hundredth episode. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, I started this podcast back in March of 2017. Uh, Ryan and I found each other um, relatively short, shortly after that, um, uh, the same year, 2017. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. But um, yeah, gosh, so much has happened, um, and bo- both in your life and my life with life of films with backseat directors, like 
it's been it's been a pretty crazy three years. So, uh, yeah, had the official three year anniversary of Backseat Directors back in March of this year, um, right right in the middle of coronavirus. So, <laughs> the timing of it's crazy and impeccable. Um, but no, uh, uh, Ryan and I we've got some we've got some fun stuff planned for you guys uh, on today's episode. Um, and, and just a bit later in the show, we're gonna have uh, two of our friends um, join us. Uh, for the rest of the podcast and we're going to do like a star wars discussion but um but right now though right now ryan and i we're just going to kind of do just our, our normal recently watched real quick and then uh one of the things that i think a lot of listeners at least those who have been with me from the beginning have been waiting on is something that i did uh in all my old episodes is anytime i had a new guest on to review a movie I had some get to know you questions. Now, these are questions that that my wife uh, helped me come up with on just like uh, trying to, you know, because people people were total strangers and sometimes total strangers to me that I was having on the show. And so I I, I tried to narrow down some questions that I thought can help help the listener get to know the person that is talking and what kind of film fan that they are. And so but these are questions There are five questions that I've never answered myself. And so Ryan is going to play host for a minute and turn the questions on me and yes for the hundredth episode i will give my answers to the get to know you questions so so yeah um, but first things first ryan let's go through our recently watched list it's been two weeks since you and i last recorded and um i'll i'll go through my list real quick so we're not going to spend too too much time on this because i want to get into like our our star wars discussion with our buddies but um um, but yeah, in the last two weeks, I've seen six movies, so not not nearly as long as uh, previous lists. Um, but I'll run through these real quick. So, um, watched a, a high, an old high school uh, teenage girl type movie that my wife loves. I've never seen it before, but it's called John Tucker Must Die. You ever seen that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I've> seen that. <laughs> so kind of a silly movie. Uh, yeah, watched it. Probably will never watch it again. Sorry, Amy. Um, and then I watched Game Night. Um, this is a movie. It's kind of a, a kind of a black comedy movie that came out a couple years ago, but surprisingly, surprisingly, really good. And this is probably the fourth time I've seen it since it's come out. Uh, it's I feel like it's that it's that rewatchable. It's that enjoyable. Very funny. Um, it has um, gosh, why am I blanking on their names? Uh, who are the two? Jason Bate- Jason Bateman and uh, Rachel McAdams. And Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Uh, so, listeners, if you guys have not seen this movie, I highly recommend it. And Ryan, it sounds like you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. It's good, good uh, chilled watch watching film. Yeah, no, it's very funny, and it's got a great cast. Like they and they all have great chemistry in the movie. Um, so that's movie number two. Movie number three, for the first time, Ryan, starring John Favreau, I saw Chef the movie. Nice. What do you yeah. reckon? I liked it. I liked it. And, it. and it puts, it gives a lot more context as to the inspiration of the Netflix show Chef. So, um, very cool, though. Very cool. And just, I don't know. It's just, I mean, yeah, if you love food and if you love John Favreau, you have to watch this movie, Chef. And it, what's really weird, though, is this movie was made kind of like right in the middle of all the MCU madness. I think it came out in 2014. Um, which is the same year that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy came out, but the movie also stars uh, Scarlett Johansson and Robert Downey Jr. At least Robert Downey Jr. has just kind of a small cameo in it, and so it's it's weird seeing that you know seeing these three people in a different movie together. That's not Marvel, but still definitely recommend seeing Chef if you guys haven't seen that. So that's movie number three. Um, and then we watch two 
90s movies that are fairly well known, I think, for anybody who were fans of the movies in the 90s. Uh, first, uh, Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey with Contact. You seen that one? I've not seen that. No, really? Oh, dude, no. you gotta you gotta watch that one. Yeah, it came out in 1996, I think. Um, but it's it's based off the novel of the same name. Um, watch it, watch it, and let me know if you have a chance. I'm really okay. interested to see what you think about that. And then, uh, uh, just last night we watched um, a movie starring Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton, Twister. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw something about that. Is that, is that the anniversary of that film come up or something? I saw. I'm not someone, sure. Someone... I'm not sure. And if, if if I mean if it is, then it's uh, coincidental that I was watching it. But um, dude, I could watch that movie any of the day of the week. That movie is just it's just fun. It's just a fun like I I don't know. I feel like in the '90s there was a hate. It was like the heyday of natural disaster movies. You know, you had like Deep Impact and Volcano and Armageddon and stuff like that. And then you had Twister. Twister's a great movie, man. It's just really good. It's a good 90s movie. Um, that film, I, that sort of film reminds me of, you know, you just get the films that are just like always on TV. Oh, for, just, sure. Uh, that, for sure. That's one of those films. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I mean, there are some pretty ridiculous moments. I mean, the, the movie's about, you know, these storm chasers that are chasing tornadoes to study tornadoes, but... Uh, the movie takes place over the course of like like a 24 hour 36 hour period and within that time span there's like six tornadoes that all hit Oklahoma in like a one day period so it's <laughs> kind of ridiculous but okay last movie last movie that I watched and this is I've seen this movie three times now uh, also came out in 2018 but it's called blind spotting um, man if they're anytime I do my like top 10 list at the end of the year, there's always movies that I had not seen. And this was one of those movies that I had not seen in 2018 when I made my top 10. Had I seen it when I made my top 10 list for 2018, it 100% would have made it. It's that good of a movie. Um, but it's, it's just the, the two main characters. Um, they also wrote the movie together. So lifelong friends, uh, star in the same movie together who appear as lifelong friends in the movie. But, um, two guys that are born and raised in Oakland, Oakland in California. It's it's kind of a rougher city, um, but there's a lot of new money being poured into Oakland, and so there's a lot of gentrification. So it's changing and kind of uh, forcing a lot of the older residents that have been in Oakland their whole life out of areas that they've lived in their whole life. But it's it's a great movie. It's really really great. Um, so yeah, right. If you have not seen that movie, listeners, if you have not seen Blind Spotting. I could not recommend that movie more. Um, but yeah, very good. So that's my list, right? What do you got? Cool. So as everyone knows, I have been working my way through the Marvel films, really. Um, I haven't really watched anything outside of that. Most of my time I've spent outside of watching um, Marvel films in my Marvel marathon has really been more on like the TV um, binging and stuff. But uh, the film, the Marvel films now, I've got up to, we've kind of mixed up the order, me and my girlfriend and I, because we want to watch Endgame um, and Infinity War together, like do like a one day session and watch them back to back. So we've kind of uh, muddled the order up a little bit. Um, and recently we've watched uh, Spider-Man and Homecoming, yep. uh, Black Panther and uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, so they're the only films that we've watched now since, um, since last time re- we recorded, but it doesn't leave us that many, many films left now. Um, we're we're going to watch Thor um, because the scene, the credit scene is obviously Thanos' ship at the end. So we're going to watch that as the last film just between thingies. So I think the next film we'll be watching will be Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, 
but yeah so that's where we're at um, the over, kind of the overall vibe would just be it's the, sec- the second time I've watched Captain Marvel now since the cinema I haven't watched it since um, enjoyed it probably about 5% more but I really thought that film was, was pretty was pretty bland so that's where I'm at with that Black Panther uh, is a brilliant film um, I enjoy it more and more I watch it I'm still not a fan of the end I, I think the the end isn't great it's just a big kind of CGI mess fest but I I think it really pushes some, some good messages really well um, not just for um black people but for the world really and how we should be treating each other and stuff so i, I really i really enjoy that film um oh, and, that's great no far- that's great I, I so i just wanted to, to say about black panther as well one that's my wife's favorite marvel movie um two i i've had the same experience with it i i have enjoyed it more and more every time that i watch it i think i've watched it four times since it's released uh, you know uh from theaters and it's a it's a really good movie, and I agree with you. I think the weakest part of the movie is the ending, the the ending fight scene, and all that. It's it, it is a little messy, and the CGI is just overload. But but it really is one of the stronger solo films in the whole MCU. Totally agree. Yeah. 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 No, I think it really is. I think it really deserved the success it got. When I first watched it, I was a bit like, really. But the more I've watched it, the more I get it. Uh, I seem to get, I seem to enjoy the Marvel films a bit more now. My second, um, my repeat watch during this is the one thing that I've noticed. But the one thing I did want to want to mention just a little bit though was when I watched Spider Man Far From Home, like on this the repeat watching, I really didn't enjoy it. Oh, you didn't really? Really? Yeah, like I thought it was middle of the road. But watching it again now, for me, I just. I just really just feel like it's it's quite boring. There's no real connection with me with the with the Spider-Man character. I think it's it's, it's really important to have his background in it for you to to for you to really connect to the character. I know that people logically understand how he becomes Spider-Man, but you have to experience that with the character, and that for me is why I, it's kind of lacking. But yeah, that's where I, where I'm at with those. Um, Wait, did so you say did you home. say Homecoming or Far From Home? Sorry, Homecoming. I haven't watched Far From Home. Obviously, Far. Okay. Did I say Far From Home? Did I? No, no, no. I, yeah, no. I, I. Well, I, I actually couldn't remember. But well, that's 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 too bad, man. I and I mean, I, 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 I agree on so many things with you regarding Tom Holland Spider Man in the MCU. I think I think the even I I even think the Andrew Garfield Spider Man movies are stronger Spider Man movies than. The MCU Spider-Man movies, and the MCU Spider-Man movies has its moments, but but as a film, I do enjoy Homecoming, and I enjoy it a lot more than Far From Home. So I am interested to see once you, yeah, I mean, I I was curious, I I I didn't think that you were gonna watch Far From Home until after um, yeah, yeah, Endgame no, after, anyway, because yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it, it'd be kind of hard to watch that out of order, but um, but I am I'm interested to see what you think of Far From Home versus Homecoming once you get there. So yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Cool, man. Oh, that's great, man. That's great. I, it, it's really interesting. Our, our experiences, I think, have been pretty similar regarding kind of our, our rewatch of the MCU and just being able to enjoy some of the movies more so than we did when we first saw them. But yeah, dude, I, gosh, man, Captain Marvel, it, it's, it, it's my least favorite Marvel movie. It's just boring. It really is. And the Captain Marvel character, she's not compelling at all. She really isn't like th- there's nothing about the character and that way that Brie Larson brought the character on screen that was really compelling. It's just she's just boring, and because she and, has no because she has no she has no 
weaknesses when Lauren watched it the first time, she pointed out she, she can do everything and she has no weakness. Every character has their, their soft spots and, and you, you live it, but she has none. Right, and, and the what was she trying to overcome? What was her like hero's journey? Her hero's journey was amnesia. Like that was what she was trying to overcome. Like that, that was her weakness of the movie. It was the fact that she couldn't remember. Like, like that's not, that's not progression of a character. And and in many ways, and I, I, I mean, I really hate, I hate saying this because I know how much criticism, like uh, someone like me and the opinion that I have regarding this is going to get, but I, I, it's just, I'm sorry. If anybody looks at this objectively, you can't, help but admit that this is what Disney has done with these female characters like Captain Marvel and like Rey from the new Star Wars movies is that they have put in order to to um, to diversify and to make equal female characters to the uh, male characters what they've done though is that they've created characters that have no struggles and that have no no room to grow they're just all powerful and almighty and they can literally do anything. And what's compelling about a character like that? It's not, there's nothing comparable or or relatable or compelling about characters like that. There is no struggle. There is no human element. And like, uh, you know, people that talk about like what they did to Luke Skywalker in the last Jedi. Oh, well now he's relatable because he's not like this godlike Jedi. Well, he never was. In the original trilogy, he never was. Luke was maybe the most relatable because of how much he struggled in the original trilogy. And how much you rooted for him to succeed, even in spite of his struggles. And so, like, but you don't get that with Rey, and you don't get that with Captain Marvel. And I just pray that (laughs) the writers that are writing the future movies involving female characters understand that you can't just shoehorn female characters as these powerful entities why because that's what i guess people perceive the male characters to be but th- that's not true like i mean look at yes. spider-man i think spider-man uh, i think that what they've done well especially with tom holland's spider-man is that this guy has a, he makes a lot of mistakes he makes a ton of mistakes you know and he's like he doesn't know how to be a superhero he's just a kid but like that's relatable like even though he has mm. all these powers but like he's just a kid so I don't know, man. That that's my little rant. <laughs> Do you want to add? No, anything? it was good. No, I loved it, man. I I agree. I agree. I'm glad that you went down there. I can't really add too much more to it. I I agree. You look at someone like Sarah Connor. I think is probably one of the the biggest uh, unique female characters out there. Um, and I think James Cameron got her perfectly in the sense of that is a struggling woman who gets yeah. more and more powerful because she learns from her mistakes and. She goes through a lot of turmoil and stuff like that, and she becomes stronger for it. These characters have just been given strength and haven't essentially earned it in any right. As other than the fact that, sorry to offend anyone, but it seems like because they're female, that that's why they've earned it. And I think it does an injustice to females. I think that's Absolutely. not what people want. It's it's the fact that females at this time have had a harder time in life, and it is their time maybe to shine at this moment in time. But that's not just be to give it on a silver platter it's the fact that they've earned the right and that's what should be being shown on tv that that females are powerful because they earn the right to be powerful just as much as men earn the right to be powerful 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you see that. And it's odd, though, because I think you see that, though, in other other films that have female superheroes or even in Star Wars, like Felicity Jones character in Rogue One. You know, I mean, she struggles like she struggles and but she's able to overcome a lot of these issues that she has. And same with other uh, female superheroes within the Marvel Universe with, you know, look at look at Wanda Maximoff, you know, Scarlet Witch. Um you know, or even even uh, some of the female characters within the Guardians of the Galaxy, like Nebula and Gamora. I mean, those those are great female characters. You know, and yeah, I mean, yeah. and there's nothing there's nothing about them that is like, uh, you know, that's like this super powerful being that you know that has no struggles. They they are nothing but struggles. But that's that's how the guys are too. Like that they're relatable. So. Anyway, anyway, cool. No, that's great, man. That's great. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to uh, talk next time when you finish your Marvel marathon. So you're you're almost there. You're almost there. Yeah, man. Cool. All right, Ryan. I'm gonna turn it over to you now. You're the host now. Let's let's. Yep. Hit me up with those get to know you questions. Well, listeners, we have a guest on today. You may not have heard of him. His name is uh, Andre Hutchins. He talks about talks about films now and then and has a very strange obsession for Zack Snyder but we won't get on that today <laughs> oh it's gonna come back up in my answers <laughs> trust me oh god but uh he said some very he said some very kind words about myself so I'll say some kind words for him Andre has has pushed me with my life of films blog um I definitely wouldn't have got anywhere near where I am today and I'm not saying that we're I'm massive at the moment but it's i'm something i'm proud of and i would never be in that situation if it wasn't for andre he spurs me on he inspires me he's a really really good guy and this is definitely one of the best podcasts if not the best movie podcast out there i'm not just saying that because i'm on it i listen to it when i'm on and off it he's a good host and and i really appreciate everything you've done for me man thanks for i dude you melted my heart man (laughs) so as everyone's aware as andre said um there's some very personal questions that he had uh, dissected out of all of his guests. And I remember one time asking him when he was going to do his. And he said, one day, one day. And that day, <laughs> that day has now finally arrived. And the, uh, the spotlight is on you, brother. So are you ready? Sweet. I'm ready, man. This is cool. I feel like I'm in the passenger seat right now. You're driving. Yeah, man. <laughs> cool. Right. So question number one. What is your Desert Island movie? Dude, so this this I've thought about this question for for years, and honestly, it's been years since 2017, and it took me a long time to come up with an answer. So, uh, and the premise of this question is this: you take you can only have one movie that you watch on a desert island until you're rescued. Who knows how long that might be? So, this is not it's not one of my like top five movies, um, but it's a movie that. Every time I watch it, I love it. And there's so much about the movie uh, that is unique and different and enjoyable that I think if I had to watch only one movie for a long time repetitively, it has to be Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The Coen Coen Brothers um, spin off of uh, Homer's Odyssey starring um, George Clooney and an incredible cast of characters. Uh, it's got everything, man. It's an adventure movie. It's got great music. It's got great messages. Got it's got great acting. I love everything about that movie. And so, yes, my desert island movie is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? 
Cool. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have guessed that. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I was gonna go. With, I thought you were gonna say Man of Steel or something like that. But uh... no. But see, but that's the thing. Like, I mean, my you know my favorite movies. You know, Empire Strikes Back, uh, the Two Towers from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Man of Steel. Like, those are my favorite favorite movies. But, um, but I don't know. I feel like. I just don't know if it that checks would be... the emotion. It checks all the emotional boxes so that you know you can watch a film and and, and get yes. all of those emotions whenever exactly. you need them. Exactly. No, it's a great movie, man. Okay. All right. Here we go. Cool, man. Sweet. Uh, question number two. Uh, favorite movie theater snack. Yeah. So question number two. Um, so I, I mean, every time I go to the movies, I get a diet coke and popcorn. Like that's, that is, I, I don't go to a movie without getting a Diet Coke and popcorn, but, um, my favorite movie theater snack can only be found at, at least in the areas that I live at the Cinemark theaters. And the reason is, is because at some of their theaters, they have bulk candy. And one of the bulk candies that they have are these strawberry sour belts and you just get a bag and you load it up. And then they weigh it, and then you pay for it. And after you eat three, you, the inside of your mouth is all raw from how much sour <laughs> sugar is coated in these things. But dude, that that I love those candies, man. That is my favorite movie theater snack: those sour strawberry belts. <laughs> well, I've never had those before, dude. Well, um, dude, when they... you when you come to the U.S., man, I'm gonna I'm introduce just... you to a lot of stuff. All right. <laughs> That's I was going to say, I was gonna say, I'm going to be putting on a few extra pounds, I think, when I finally get over there. It'll be worth it. Rotten. It'll be worth it. Um, yeah, and your uh, diet, your whole diet coke thing. Do you, um, when you go there, you have it like what we call over here, if it's the same, like draft coke, right? So it's like the syrup mixed with the soda. Is that what you get? Yeah. Like, so, in, a, in a big Yeah, because I'm not a fan of, I'll drink canned diet coke, but um, I'm not a fan of bottled diet coke. But the best is... I, I I guess people here in the U.S. would just call it fountain, like fountain soda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. You, you go to, you can go to a gas station or you go to a movie theater, and you know, and in the movie theaters I go to here, they have the huge computer-like Coke machines. I don't know if you guys have those there, but it's like yeah, it's like a do. touch screen, like a digital touch screen. You choose a Coke. You could choose like five or six different flavors you want to put in the Coke, and then it mixes it all for you as it comes out. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big fan. Big fan of that. My girlfriend um, always laughs at me because there'll be times where I'm like, oh man, I just need a, I did see the draft Coke right Dude, now. Dude, same, like, man. Same. Yeah. I know. You have that. It, it, it's it, hands down the best way to drink a soda. So. <laughs> cool. Right. Uh, moving on to question number three. This will be, this is a good question. Uh, the first movie that made you cry. All right, man. So, and honestly, I really tried to remember. Um, as far back as I could, a crying during a movie, and maybe there was uh, during my childhood, but I don't remember. The first memory, though, that I have of crying when I saw a movie um, was in high school. It was my sophomore year um, in high school, so I would have been like 15 or 16, and uh, we had to read a book called Of Mice and Men. Now, I don't know if this is a book that is familiar to you at all, being from the UK, but in the US, this is like considered one of the classic U.S. novels and that it's required reading when you're coming up in grade school. And so we watched, or I mean, we read the book and then we were, we had to watch the movie. And so I rented the movie and I watched it by myself. And um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but one of the key characters in the movie is played by John Malkovich. 
Um, yeah. And he, he plays Lenny, uh, who's kind of a, a handicap uh, person. But um, the ending of the movie, I'm not going to say what happens at the end. I'm sure a lot of people listening have either read the book or seen the movie. But I freaking bawled, man. And I was just sitting on my parents' couch by myself watching this movie and just bawling at the end of, of Mice and Men. So that that is my first memory crying in a movie. And that was just at, at home with a rental. That's it. Well, no, that's weird actually, because that is a book in the here in the UK that we we have to read. Really? That's yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. that's interesting. We, I mean, we watch- yeah, it's it's U- U.S. history during the Great Depression. I think it takes place in the 1920s in the U.S. And you know, two brothers that are searching for work and they find work, but you know, it's just it, it's it's commentary on on um, you know social statuses and especially during a period of the U.S. that was really really hard for a lot of people but that's cool no that's cool i would never never guess that that would be a book that people read in the uk that's cool though (laughs) that's cool um wicked right so moving on to question number four um so favorite movie director and or actor okay so um this this was also hard for me because as much as I love Zack Snyder and I am excited for any Zack Snyder movie that comes out and but that love has it, it's had to grow and build up to what it is now um, and there are a lot of directors that I, I really look forward to so I'm, I'm kind of breaking my rules because I'm kind of split on on the director I I am maybe the only person in the world that loves M. Night Shyamalan movies <laughs> And I know, right? I know you. You're not a big fan of his movies, but dude, anytime he has a new movie coming out, I will see it opening night. I don't care what it's about. I don't care if the trailer looks bad. I will see his movies opening night. But here's the thing, though. I think, I think, I just think, I think he's one of the most creative writers in Hollywood. Regard regardless if his if his stories actually translate if they actually you know provide the type of i guess satisfaction that viewers are looking for he's creative and he i don't really see a lot of people trying to do what he is doing or has done and he takes a ton of risk with his stories and i've always called him i think he he's i think he it's it's fair to call him a modern day alfred hitchcock even though i don't think he, you know, he's as iconic as Alfred Hitchcock, not, not in the least, but, um, I love his movies. So I think he's the best storyteller, at least my favorite storyteller in Hollywood, but the director has got to go to Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan, more than, more than any other director out there. Um, I think his movies, people look forward to the most. So when, when, you know, when it's a oh, Christopher Nolan has a new movie, people get excited. I get excited. It's a Christopher Nolan movie and his movies are so phenomenal that how could you not be excited for a Christopher Nolan movie? And so, I mean, Tenet coming out this year. Oh, dude. Uh, Hopefully. I, I have to give it to Christopher Nolan, but my honorable mention is M. Night Shyamalan. However trashed I get for saying that, I love his movies. I love his stories. But yeah, it, Christopher Nolan, man, that that's my answer right there. Christopher Nolan. Well, you know that um, I'm very happy with that answer. You, <laughs> it, you dude, kind of threw me a bit of a curveball with that M. Night. It has to be, but, though. Uh, I mean, who, who has such... 
an incredibly success a successful filmography um outside of like the greats outside of like you know spielberg spielberg i mean look at every single one of his movies they're all fresh on rotten tomatoes on both the audience and the critic side everybody loves his movies they're great movies i'd argue i'd arguably say that he has more lure than spielberg at the moment um like ready player one was a Spielberg film and I think that I uh, think it wrong it had lure people enjoyed it but I don't feel that film really had that that gravitas that like Nolan right. films have yeah. so I think maybe because Spielberg has gone down a bit more of a route of doing a lot of American history films and stuff he's lost a bit of his, his swagger so when he did something like Ready Player One it had maybe was not so he hadn't had that kind of lore as much anymore but no, Christopher Nolan, he right, is everyone gets excited for it. His yeah. name, like when his name fills that screen, every that no one really cares what the trailer is. As soon it just, as it says it's, Christopher it's, Nolan, it's hard. It, it, I, I think I think anybody would be hard pressed to actually think that he has a bad movie. Because I, I I'm I think there's only one movie of his that I haven't seen, like his really 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 early years. Because uh, Memento, I think was Memento his first movie, or did he have a movie before that? A memento is was his first kind of big one, yeah. So, it, I mean, even Memento. Memento is a great movie. Prestige, great movie. All his Batman movies. There, regardless of what people think of, you know, the ending to the Dark Knight trilogy, but the Dark Knight Rises is still a really good movie. You know, um, I mean, it's just he has great movies, man. Interstellar, Inception, Dunkirk. They're great movies. <laughs> they're just all yeah. great movies. So. Yeah, That's it's cool, got to be Christopher Nolan. <laughs> and are you gonna are you gonna give us a favorite actor? No, not really, because there's not really you know when I when I feel like I don't know I don't go see movies for actors. I I'll usually go see a movie because of a director, but um, you know I I mean, gosh, Christian Bale's super talented. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I I think it's. Hard I know to what you see. mean. I know what you mean. It's hard. I, to, I it's hard to pick just like yeah, just like one actor that I'm like super super high on. You know, and as much as I love Christian Bale, I feel like I still get more excited for specific directors than I do actors. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, right. So moving on to the fifth and final question: If you could change the ending of any movie. Which would it be, and how would you change it? And that's quite interesting, actually, because when you obviously asked me this, this was a long time ago. So there's been some more movies now that have been released <laughs> since. <laughs> no, but dude, this this one, and I I I think it's going to be a little bit controversial. Um, I I've had this has been my answer for years, for years and years and years, and I I gosh, I think I, people might hate me for this answer, but um, my answer to this question is the ending of the return of the King Lord of the Rings. And even though I know, I know, I know that it's accurate to the book. And this is how J.R. Tolkien ended his, his iconic and absolutely classic, uh, series of Lord of the Rings. I just, I, I just, it, it still to this day does not sit well with me that Frodo Frodo is unable to overcome the ring. And, but that, that part, that part, it's not, it's not that he's unable to overcome the, the power and the draw of the ring. 
It's the fact, it's how the ring gets destroyed that bugs me the most. Because no one's able to do it. No one's able to overcome the power of the ring, actually throw it in the fire of, what is it, Mordor. The fires of Mordor destroy the ring. No one is able to do it. It's it's a scuffle between Smeagol and Frodo. They're fighting, and Smeagol loses his balance and falls in. And the fact that that's how the ring gets destroyed, I just think feels, it just doesn't feel satisfying. What I would have preferred, and this is how I would have ended it, I would have preferred one of the three, either Sam, Frodo, or Gollum, or Smeagol, um, destroy the ring willingly. Okay, But my preference is this. I think it would have been such a, an emotional and really satisfying ending if between that scuffle of of Smeagol and and Frodo that Smeagol takes the ring but he's not taking it for himself because Frodo has now succumbed to the power of the ring he takes it from him in order to destroy it but because Smeagol knows that he himself can't overcome the power of the ring he jumps in. So it's like a sacrifice, a double sacrifice. He takes the ring from Frodo, and he then he himself, while holding the ring, his precious, he jumps in to destroy the ring. So that's how I would end that movie. I know I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this. I just, I, to this day, man, I've read the books. I've seen that movie a hundred times. It, I just don't like that the ring is destroyed because they're fighting over it, right? I mean... You have to agree with me, right? What do you think? I mean, that it's just this has been my answer for years, and it's always been my answer. <laughs> no, it's a good, it's good actually. I've never really looked at it like that. No, I think it's a fair point. I think it's yeah, it's a very long journey and stuff, and it's yeah, I think it, the fact that it's just kind of a bit of a a bit of an accident that it happens in the end is yeah, is a bit. It's not very satisfying. Like I say no. I agree. I've I've never looked at it in that way. But now you now you now you now you've ruined it for me. <laughs> my bad, dude. That's not my intention. But uh, um, no, dude. I I mean, look. That's like one of the very very few things I can critique about those movies. I love those movies. They're they're just incredible, incredible achievements in Hollywood. I mean. So yeah, the very minor thing that I could critique, but I just that's the movie, man. That's the movie uh, whose ending I would change. So yeah, there you go, cool. man. Those are my answers, my five answers. Cheers, dude. Well, I'll hand the uh, the hosting privileges back to yourself, and thanks very much. Uh, thanks, Ryan. So now that I'm back in the director's chair, um, we're gonna move on to uh, our last segment of the show. And we're going to invite our buddies, Mikey, and the former view onto the show. And we're going to talk some Star Wars. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on this centennial episode of the Backseat Directors podcast. I am so excited to have you guys on. Thanks so much for joining. No problem. Happy to be here. So, listeners, we have... Um, obviously, we have Ryan Nevin, who is a regular co-host on the show. Ryan, thanks for hopping What's up? on. Shit, man. And then uh, we have uh, two good friends as well in our little group of four. Um, you guys will already know the formal review, who is a regular contributor on the Backseat Directors website. Uh, one of our uh, 
um, top writers doing movie reviews and other stuff like that. And uh, also was on one of our recent um, Defend Your Movies episode, the formal review. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. And uh, and then we have Mikey Hidalgo. Uh, hey yeah mikey it's been a while since you've been on the podcast uh, i think the last time i had you on you and i reviewed um i think i think we did a review of the war for the planet of the apes did we not that we did that we did yes so Good i don't time. know I, I don't know if i told you this but uh and <laughs> i feel like i should say this publicly i gave that movie a maybe wait um i know you did but i've i've rewatched it since and oh, i totally take back my recommendation <laughs> that that movie that movie's good it's not okay and i still have some of my same criticisms but that movie's good and that trilogy is uh it's underrated for sure so it's good yeah it's well good. We, we spent most of our time gushing about the score anyways so it still has an amazing score in that movie yes yeah no so um but uh listeners i have these these three gentlemen joining me today on the podcast because um, honestly, uh, one, the podcast, but specifically backseat directors would not be where it is today without these three, um, between Ryan, the formal review and Mikey, uh, these three guys have inspired me, uh, to, uh, to keep pursuing, uh, what we are passionate about. And, and, and honestly, they're just, there, there's not enough things I could say to, uh, to, um, describe how much I appreciate you guys. And so the fact that, um, this is our hundredth episode. Uh, it's just very fitting that we kind of have our little group here together. So yeah, so thanks, guys. Jeez, man. thank you, man. No here's to, here's to another hundred. Yes, yeah. no, I know, I know, and hopefully we'll probably get to the to the next uh, hundred uh, or I guess the two hundredth episode a little bit quicker. You know, I, I took I took the entire 2019 year off, so there were no episodes. So yeah, this this <laughs> this episode probably would have happened far, uh, uh, probably yeah, early on in 2019. But uh, I'm happy that it's still happening now. But all right, listeners, uh, what we want to do though is I, I brought these guys on. Um, Ryan suggested this to me um, a week or so ago. You know, my very first episode on Backseat Directors, if you guys were to go back to episode number one, you'll see that it's a review of Rogue One. And so, yeah, so we just want to we want to kind of go back and just kind of, you know, go back to our roots of what uh, what started the podcast off. And uh, we'll, we're just going to discuss a little bit about Rogue One and then just kind of have a, a overall Star Wars discussion. So um, I love Rogue One, guys. Uh, and for me, it is my favorite Disney-era Star Wars movie. I think more than any of the other movies, it captured the heart of the original trilogy. Um, you know, because I think one of the things that a lot of I, I see a lot of people say is that, that, you know, the new Star Wars, it it looks like Star Wars, it sounds like Star Wars, but it doesn't necessarily feel like Star Wars. Um Rogue One to me looks, sounds, and feels like Star Wars. I love that movie. I love that movie. But I want to hear what you guys have to say. So, Mikey, let's start with you, man. What What do you think of Rogue One? Where Where does it fall for you among the Disney era Star Wars films? You know what? Rogue One's gonna fall pretty high the more I've watched it, and the more that I've watched the other stuff that Disney has put out. Um, Originally, and I know Ryan is going to hate me, but that's okay. I used to like The Force Awakens more than Rogue One. But after seeing where that trilogy went, I kind of try to judge it more as a whole trilogy. just Or, or judge it more as one story 
And Rogue One being that solo movie, not solo, you guys get it, uh, being a movie by itself. Um, I actually just watched it the other day when you told me we were going to be talking about it. And yeah, man, it is such a good movie. And not only is it true to the original trilogy and just that feel, but it brings good new things to Star Wars. It brings good new characters and new ideas. And then also, it's not shot like any other Star Wars movie. The sense of scale in that movie blows me away every single time I watch it. I love the visuals of that movie and just the storyline together of this ragtag team ready to give it all, help save the galaxy. So it's up there for me. Nice, nice. Okay, I think I, what I want to do as well, and I'll ask all three of you this. Um, Mikey, who's who's your favorite character in Rogue One? Do you have a fav- favorite character? Ooh. Um, man. I'm going to go with... Uh, let's go with uh, Mr. Cassian Andor. Nice, nice. I like it. I dig it. I like that guy. I dig it. Anything for the cause. Yeah. So- shoot his friend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, I'm I'm excited for the Cassian Andor series. Uh, I, I think yeah. there's a lot of cool stories that could be told from that. But uh, just to backtrack a little bit, so my favorite character is Chirrut Imwe, the blind, maybe Jedi, maybe not a Jedi. Uh, we don't really know, but he definitely believes in the Force. Um, love that the guy. Guardian of the Hills. Yeah, so he's 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 my favorite character in that. Um, all right, the formal review. Let's move to you, man. What do you think of Rogue One? Where does it fall for you in the Disney? era star wars movies and who's your favorite character from rogue one uh i would agree with you on the fact that it's definitely at the top for me especially um similar to what mike was saying uh how it's definitely where that story goes i think rogue one not only um is not really i guess comparable to the the other disney movies aside from maybe solo just because it's not about a trilogy story in that sense and i think that's why i think it works so well and also like kind of what you said like about how it's it is star wars but to me like it's almost not in at the same time which is a good thing like it because it doesn't feel i guess space battles aren't the big thing it's such a grounded movie like the majority of the battles are on the planet and that's kind of like a Almost the Vietnam War type of movie, which I thought was really cool about it. Um, and I thought I just really enjoyed that. And I'm not sure if I ever said this on this podcast, but one of the things that I love about stories in general is ones that always end on kind of a negative, sad note, because it's it's just there's a lot more emotion in it. And this movie ends spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it ends pretty pretty horrifically if you really think about it so um the heroes of the story don't survive and so i don't know i really like that like every time i watch it's like i have to now watch a new hope now because kind of have to see how this movie plays out but when it comes to my favorite character i i'm on the same boat uh with you um starring emway i think he's just really cool and I also really like Donnie Yen. So, yeah, no, Donnie Yen is good. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, um, I, I, one thing that I've I've kind of um, at least realized for me is that it's hard it's hard for me to watch the the like if I'm going to do like a marathon of the original trilogy and start with a new hope. It's hard to start with a new hope knowing where Rogue One and how it ends because it it leads 
into the like moment that a new hope begins. And so it's like, and so the couple times that I've gone back and started like a, like a little marathon of, of the original trilogy, I always start with rogue one now. So I'll go rogue one, then a new hope and empire strikes back, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, no, that's good. That's good, man. All right, Ryan, all the same questions for you. Where does Rogue One fall for you cool. in the Disney Star Wars era, and who's your favorite character? So it's by far the best thing from a movie perspective that Disney have done, in my opinion. Um, I kind of have a bit of a theory on why it kind of is. Um, I think because with the uh, sequel trilogy, it's kind of a blank canvas for Disney in a way to advance the um, the franchise. And I think maybe they didn't quite have the imagination that Lucas has to be able to keep moving it forward. Where with, with Rogue One, they're kind of more confined within the Lucas story and the Lucas kind of era, which maybe helped them to be able to create a bit more of a story and a feeling that people enjoyed. Um, but I, for one, was a, was a big fan of it. I really, really enjoyed it. Highly rated it. I think had some, some really iconic scenes throughout the whole of the Disney era, like the Vader scene. Um, and a lot of cool shots of like the Death Star. We got a lot more um, vibe on how menacing the Death Star can be as well, which I think we saw that a lot in the original films, but it was a lot more advanced in this. So overall, it was, yeah, it was brilliant and by far my favourite. The My favourite character in it um, would actually be um, the, the villain, um, Krennic. Ooh. I really like him. I really like the actor, um, Ben Mendelsohn. I think he's brilliant. I think he was probably the best part of uh, Captain Marvel, personally, which, which I recently watched, <laughs> Andre. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think he's a. I think he's a really. I think he's a really good actor, and I think he plays a really good uh, kind of villain in that, especially with because Disney seems to be struggling to make the more. Um, like uh, army-based characters, so the people that are kind of in the more like the military-based characters, very scary. Like um, was it Hux? Was his name? He just became a bit of a joke. They haven't really been very menacing, which they're yeah. meant to be. Like all like all like um, Tarkin and stuff like that were all really menacing, and I think they managed to really capture that with with Krennic. He still had that vibe of making Vader really cool because he still was inferior to Vader, which I, that's what they always did. It always made Vader seem even more awesome because he was above these very menacing characters but he was still menacing enough do you know what i mean that that pushed that so for me that was why he's my my favorite yeah he's a talented actor um and i think he he really adds to the to the overall story you know how (laughs) how um uh grand moff tarkin was you know no matter no matter what critic did and and no matter how much he succeeded in you know kind of uh, bringing the empire, empire's plans to life, there was no way that he was ever gonna let critic, you know, like take take credit for it or move up in the ranks. Like, nope. <laughs> Tarkin was, oh, that was it was yeah, that was some good storytelling right there. But um, um, here I I want you just kind of you know whoever wants to go first, but um, some of the criticisms of the movie, or at least some things that maybe were different from this movie than obviously like the regular saga trilogy films. Um, and tell me what you guys thought of this, but one, this was the first star Wars movie that did not have a, a, a crawl, like an opening credit crawl. Um, it was the first movie that was not scored by John Williams for star Wars movie. Um, and, um, and then obviously with the CGI creations of Tarkin 
and Leia. So just uh, just just go ahead, spitball. Whatever you start, uh, whoever wants to jump in. Um, but what do you guys what do you guys kind of think of those and how how Rogue One is unique from the other you know the other Star Wars movies? Well, I'll go in with the on the score front. I'll cover that as you guys will know. I'm a big big score fan, and Michael Giacchino did the score, mm-hmm. and he's up there. With, with one of my favorites after Williams and Zimmer, I think I put him in a, a solid third position if I'm, if I'm going to be honest. And I actually preferred it. I actually preferred his score for Rogue One to all three of the, this, um, the sequel saga. Uh, personally, I think that John Williams maybe was a reason for he didn't want to, and he was kind of maybe stretching out his imagination a bit where Michael Giacchino came in. He massively respected what was done before, which is so important, which is, one of my issues with like Danny Elfman doing what he did with Justice League, there's no respect for Zimmer, but Giacchino came in and he respected everything that Williams had done, but added his own feel and vibe to it. Like in the Imperial March, you still had that, but it kind of tailed off in the end with a bit of a Giacchino mm-hmm. twist. Like the force beam mm-hmm. would, would enter perfectly in, in certain parts, like when Gina so is given her speech and she says, like, may the force be with you. And as she says that, the force beam comes in and out. Like it's really, it was really, really good. So there's no criticism there for me. But then take off Williams. I think it did the Star Wars, the new phase of Star Wars, a favor. To be honest, doing that. Yeah, I'd agree with Ryan right there. Because, I mean, I, I, I personally have a problem, and I wouldn't even say problem. Not that big of a deal. But see, I don't like the fact that this movie didn't have an opening crawl. I think no matter what you make in Star Wars, like that's just Star Wars. Start it. Tell a little bit about what's going on, and that's it. Have the opening crawl. But the music that they brought somebody in new that, like Ryan said, respected, you know, the source material, where everything came from, but was able to add his own little twist. Like, John Williams has a very specific style when it comes to Star Wars. And, you know, you can just tell when it's John Williams who's who's playing the music or um, conducting the music. Having someone else help the tone of the movie so much more and helped it even feel more seriously... And the way that Michael Giacchino does the entire movie, like I said, samples a little bit from the past, but he twists it into something different and it makes it, it I don't know, it, I love the score of that film too. So I'm, I'm with you, Ryan, on that. Uh, you talked about uh, the... The CGI the, creations uh, of Tarkin and Leia. See, I didn't mind the Tarkin one as much. The Leia one is creepy. It keeps me up at night. It scares me. <laughs> but the Tarkin one wasn't that bad. I don't know if it's because he's older or not. Like, you can still tell that it's a recreation and then our brains go there because, you know, we know that Peter Cushing is dead. But, like, the Tarkin one really didn't bother me. I'm surprised they people... Kept, they kept him in the dark, I think, which helped. You yeah. realize in the scenes he was always in the dark. Yeah, bit. I didn't expect it. It looked a bit more real. And then Leia's just in a white room and he's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, no, with Tarkin, I, I thought I thought they utilized his character well, um, and it, I think it would have been hard to tell that story without Tarkin anyway. Um, obviously, they I think they would have had to get permission, perhaps from his family, to use the likeness of Tarkin. Whoever voiced Tarkin, I don't know who voiced him, but that was like spot on Tarkin voice. That was really good. Um, but okay, formal. What about you? What what do you think about no no opening scroll, no or crawl? Um, you know, Michael Giacchino being the first to do a score that's not John Williams for Star Wars, um, and then the CGI characters. I think it at least when it comes to the no crawl thing i think it depends on i guess your take on it like i don't know at least for me like i couldn't do what you do and like watch rogue one first because 
it doesn't like it's not introducing the story but i think like if you watch like from episode one onward all the way through you have a story kind of already there and which then sets up episode four i I do think it's kind of inconsistent um which can be a good or bad thing um i think if you watch it from one onward it's fine i i personally couldn't do it if i started it like i said um but i don't see it as a big thing because i think like this was kind of like a very different i guess film in general um from the other star wars so i like that it kind of sets it apart and similarly when it goes into you know score like i actually really like that it was different uh, because prior to it i hadn't really listened to much of his stuff so it was it was nice because it's it's more memorable because it's i think not john williams and if you like really like think about the other uh disney films yeah i mean they're i think they're all john williams correct me if i'm wrong maybe one isn't but i think they're all but anyway they're pretty like they're just redo redoings of like the original stuff which is nice but it's nothing like creative so i i like the Giacchino score and i think um like you all said uh he's really good at that uh and i guess with the cgi thing i don't know i'm opposite i think tarkin's thing is more noticeable the more i watch it <laughs> and it, wow. and, it bothered, and i and the thing is i actually like the leia one it's what I, I mean yeah hope i i i i i know I, I think it works because it's so short it's just that one scene is done but tarkin i mean i agree with you it has he has to be in the story and because obviously peter cushing said you can't put him in there so it works given that but the more times i see him on screen i'm like yeah that's almost video game animation oh man wow I think I think we can all agree I'm though. I, I think we can all agree that, that yeah. Rogue One is um it's one of the best Star Wars movies that Disney has produced. Um <laughs> or I, I should say Lucasfilm has produced and Disney has has <laughs> funded. <laughs> Fine, <man>. Um <laughs> but uh I, am I right? Am I right in did I hear that every this is everybody's top Star Wars movie from the Disney era? It's mine. I mean, it's mine. Ryan, I know it's yours. Mikey, you you say yes? Yeah, yeah. I'll co-sign. Wow, man. I honestly did not expect that. I did not expect that. Mikey, I know, I know, I I mean, I I really, I enjoy The Force Awakens. I think it's a good Star Wars movie. I thought it set Mm -hmm. up, you know, a a lot of good opportunity uh, and possibility for the trilogy, but, um, but yeah, it's hard, it's hard to look at The Force Awakens the same knowing how the trilogy ends up it, it just exactly. it's like wow <laughs> yeah um but, but no that's cool i honestly i didn't think that we'd all we'd all agree that rogue one has been the best star wars movie that that disney's done so far um okay last question regarding rogue one and kind of these movies but uh, obviously they've they've only they did two they did two of these star wars stories they did rogue one and then they did solo um are you guys uh, sad that Disney's put these so uh, these Star Wars um, stories on ice. Uh, do you want to see more of these movies, or do you want them to focus more on TV and then like a new trilogy? What What are your guys' thoughts on that, Ryan? Why don't you go first? Um. Yes and no. Um, I'm sad when I heard they cancelled it because I was really eager for an Obi Wan Kenobi film, 
and I felt like that was going to fall more in this these these side stories. Obviously, it's not a saga um, story, so I was. But I'm happy that that's going to become a TV series. I think now they can flesh it out a lot more, so I'm excited for that. Um, I because I liked Rogue One so much, I'm going to say yes. I am sad. I didn't think Solo was a particularly bad film. I just found it very bland. Um, so, where well, the saga films I actually massively don't like. So for me, I am sad. I think they they were interesting and they they uh, they added a new element to Star Wars which we'd never really had before. Um, and I liked that. And they were they were seen to be doing well. But if they're going to do it more in a TV series, then I th- I think it's not a bad idea. I think you can really flesh it out. And I think we all agree that Mandalorian is probably if not the best thing that Disney have done with Star Wars. Um, so as if they're going down that route and it's going to be of that quality, then I, you can't really complain, can you? Yeah, Formal, what do you think? Uh, I'm kind of along the same lines. Um, I kind of am happy because of like how the disorganized the uh, Disney trilogy ended up being. Um, I will defend... Uh, the two films that I need to in, in this group, but, um, <laughs> but I will say it is a disorganized trilogy. Um, so I think like in that aspect, yes, but at the same time, similar to Rye, I think like it would have been nice to see a movie and I'm, I'm not a big TV show person in general. So I personally would have liked to see the Obi-Wan movie more than the TV show, but I'll take what I can get. So, yeah, it sucks, but eh. yeah, no, that's an interesting point because I, I agree. Formal, I think there's there's uh, an epicness and kind of a grand scale to Star Wars and to telling Star Wars that I think deserves the biggest screen possible. And as much as I love the Mandalorian and how how good of a show that I think it, that it is, only being able to see it on TV, it's it's hard not to feel a little bit disappointed because. Even for a TV show, I think The Mandalorian in some aspects deserve to be kind of on uh, kind of that bigger scale. And who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe when movie theaters open up and they're looking for content to to show in theaters, you know, maybe they'll Disney will say, hey, let's put The Mandalorian in theaters. I, I would go and pay money to see The Mandalorian in theaters. So, <laughs> uh, Mikey, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Are you sad that they're not going to be doing any of these Star Wars stories anymore? Um, or are you are you more on board with? the other stuff that they're doing like tv shows and whatnot i am sad uh i am sad because like you said i think that for me i love the movies there's nothing that compares to a cinematic experience for me you go down and you're sitting with you know 500 people that you don't know but you're all there to see the same thing that you love and just watching you know i've been to the midnight premieres and then the 6 p.m premieres when they stopped doing the midnight stuff and just being there opening night to watch a Star Wars movie, whether it's a movie that I ended up enjoying or not, like there's just nothing like it when you're a film fan for me. Um, so I'm bummed that that doesn't happen anymore. Don't get me wrong. I like talking to you guys and my other Star Wars friends week to week about, oh, did you watch The Mandalorian or whatever, whatever, whatever. But just being able to go and watch a movie. And I'm not saying we'll never see another Star Wars movie, but for now, who knows when that's going to happen. So I'm bummed about it. But like all of you are agreeing to that once they once they prove that they can do a good Star Wars show, good quality, then I'm not too mad about it. And as long as uh, Dave Filoni's around, hopefully he can, uh, you know, 
be behind the helm on all of them. Honestly. Right, right. Yeah, him and Favreau. Filoni and Favreau make quite the team for sure. I say one thing also about the theater experience. Um, one thing, like as y'all know, like one of the theater experiences that I go to is 40x. I'm not gonna lie. Even with the rise of Skywalker being what it was, seeing that movie in 40x was probably the most fun I've ever had. Like comparable honestly to avengers endgame it's like <laughs> the scene where like you have the flying stormtroopers as ridiculous as that was it it's just a lot more fun when like you're moving along with it and obviously if we don't have any more star wars films that's not gonna happen so in that like similar to what mikey was saying and what you said andre yeah that that is pretty sad formal you gotta yeah. dude you gotta become a spokesman for whoever does this 40x stuff because i, I dude, you love that formal stuff i tell everybody about it so i really want to go but i know for, formal it's, it's time you get paid that you uh you know all, all the sponsorships that you're doing for them <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying hey i'm drinking the kool-aid man i just gotta go there's one in hollywood and i want to go no, that's cool. Yeah. No, that's cool. So, um, this this past week we got a bit of news that, uh, and it's kind of uh, man, this this is what it feels like. All the new Star Wars news that comes out, it's like they're always announcing a new director. Oh, here's a new director. Oh, we have another new director, <laughs> oh, and we got another director. You know, without any real announcements of of what you know uh, the yeah, stories dude. are going to be about. Um, but yeah, this past week, uh, I it came out that Taika Waititi has been slated to be a a director for an upcoming star Wars movie. Um, that's about the, uh, you know, the only bit of information that was released. Um, but are you guys, you guys excited about that? You like Taika Waititi in the star Wars universe? I mean, he, he, I think he directed two episodes in the Mandalorian. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of established himself within the Marvel cinematic universe, uh, in the Thor movies. Um, but what, what do you think about him translating to the star Wars universe? Um, I'll go, I'll go ahead. Um, you know, he has a reputation for being, you know, the goofy guy, the, the, you know, I know, I know Andre, you personally do not like what he did with Thor. I know that you don't like that Thor's a big punchline now. Um, but you know, the people like it, it's making money. So that ended up working true. out for him. Yep. However, you know, unless you're reading production notes, like some of us hardcore fans that really have no life, I don't think anybody could point out what episode of The Mandalorian he directed or which episodes he directed. So it is it is possible for him to know and feel and do the tone of Star Wars. And as a director, I like the stuff that he produces, whether you agree with the tone of it or the storyline of it. He produces good quality stuff, like some of his more indie stuff and his high budget stuff. He knows how to make a good movie and just seeing what he did in the Mandalorian and, you know, the director credits come at the end. So when I'm watching, I was like, Oh, Taika directed this episode and seeing that, yeah, it didn't feel any different. This episode wasn't overly goofy. There wasn't fart jokes or people tripping all over themselves. Like he knows how to fall in line with what the production notes are. So I'm excited about it. I think he's going to do a good job. Cool. Ryan, what about you? Uh, sorry, Mikey, but um, I'm going to have to go down every route. And this is coming from a massive Taika Waititi fan. I, I've known Taika Waititi before he was this massive Taika Waititi. Like, he was a massive part of, like, Flight of the Concords. Um, he directed and wrote a lot of the episodes with with the band. Um, yeah, massive, big, big fan of, of Taika. But I don't, I don't want Star Wars to be funny. And in Mandalorian, like, 
he there was a massive picture that he, a structure that he had to stick to. He was sticking to John Favreau's vision, but if he gets his own film, he has his own vision. <laughs> and and I and I, Star Wars has its moments which make you laugh, like the the banter between Obi Wan and Anakin, maybe in like Episode Three at the beginning. They always had that bit of stuff that made you laugh and and that. And Han, um, Han Solo and Chewie, kind of their their dynamic. As they well, had their you know. thing, but they weren't. But they weren't. They weren't. Still weren't funny films. Like this is my thing. Like you had you had a bit of lightheartedness with Chewie and and saying Han Solo and stuff, and that made you maybe kind of chuckle a bit. But Taika Waititi makes funny films, and I can just foresee how Disney want to use him. And I, they like to have comedy in these films. Star Wars, the the sequel trilogy had real like just moments of just of stuff you see in the Marvel universe of like Hux telling like getting in your mum joke arguments with <laughs> Dameron and stuff like I, and I can just see more of that and that's one of the major parts for me that that took me out of the Star Wars feeling Andre that you 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 said at the beginning of this podcast that it just didn't feel like Star Wars and it this is a main part that takes that feeling away and uh, Taika Waiti does is does comedy blending comedy with seriousness really well but I I don't need that comedy side so for me I'm not looking forward to it. It's not. It's not really something I'm massively interested in. Um, I have. I will. I'll watch it, and I'll hold out hope because obviously he is a good director. He's um, obviously won a lot of awards for what he does and stuff. So I, I won't write him off yet. But am I looking forward to it? Am I hopeful? Not so much. So I mean, one of the episodes he directed in The Mandalorian was, uh, I think, one of the more controversial moments of that show when those two. Uh, 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 the um the uh, what are they called like the the yeah but the, the they're like the the scout bike scout bike troopers is yeah, that troopers. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 you know they have baby yoda uh in the bag and he punches the bag and that and i i remember everybody online went livid when that happened like you're punching baby yoda i can't believe it but uh uh yeah that was one of the episodes he directed but uh <laughs> so um I think I'll counter Ryan though. I think I think Star Wars tries and has always tried to be a little bit funnier than you're giving it credit for. From the creator himself, I mean, he wanted to do a lot more with Jar Jar Binks, but you know, the fan base totally destroyed him on that. He, so. he never brought a comedian director in, and Taika Waititi does com- comedy. He because he wanted to direct all the movies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, formal. What, what what are your thoughts on Taika? I mean, you know, you and I both. I love Jojo Rabbit. It was a top three film for me last year. Um, yeah. you know, Taika is obviously very talented, but what, what are your thoughts about him coming into the Star Wars universe even more so than just the Mandalorian? Yeah, I think like like you said, he is very talented, very well right, uh, a very good writer, um, funny, and as Rai put it, I haven't watched um, as much as he has. I haven't even checked out his his uh, what he calls what's that new. TV show in uh, inside the shadows. shadows. What, what we what inside we do that, what yeah. we do in the shadows. Yeah, what we do in the shadows. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, I've been told to watch it, but like originally before I saw Jojo Rabbit, I was not one not looking forward to jo- Jojo Rabbit, and two I didn't want to watch it though because I, and still to this day, I hate, not hate, but I really dislike. Thor Ragnarok. I they there's hate. so much about that. Wow, so much about that film that's problematic. Formal. I, I honestly just, didn't know that. I didn't know that was your opinion on the film. But keep going. Yeah, I yeah, it's. Uh, I agree with like what you say about Thor. I agree with 
where uh, what do you call it? What Raya said about the Hulk in the past. Like I don't. There's just too much going on. Too many stories. I just uh, I don't like it. The comedy I feel is more forced than it was previously, and that scene that you're talking about in the Mandalorian. I despise that scene. <laughs> I thought it wasn't funny. I did not like it. So to apply that to a full-on film like Rise said, I'm not so sure how that's going to go. This went um, downhill because, rapidly. Because, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jojo Rabbit is really, really good, but that is such a unique type of thing to take on and it's obviously trying that applying that type of idea to star wars i just can't see it working but i could be wrong we'll see i don't know i'm not 100 percent in it yet so yeah yeah <laughs> no, this is really interesting i honestly i wasn't sure what any of you guys were going to say about taika waititi being a director of a star wars movie but um you know he, he it's it's funny he's got a unique set of talents um you know uh, and uh formal if you haven't seen his old stuff definitely go check out the movie what we do in the shadows which inspired yeah, you think. know the creation of the tv show he's brilliant in it he's very funny but that's 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 another thing is like in you know as much of a talent uh, a talented director as he is i think he's even more talented as an actor i think he he's got such such a persona that really translates well on screen. Obviously, like in Thor Ragnarok, he played Korg. Um, and then in The Mandalorian, he played uh, IG-11, IG-11, right, um, the the uh, bounty hunter droid. Um, you know, he's he's really talented. He really is. So I don't know. I think, I think I'm, really I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. You know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he could do, but I'm also skeptical – about what he might turn Star Wars into if he is given the reins of his own movie. So, so we'll see. Um, all right, guys. What was that? We'll say that again, Mikey. I said he was great in Green Lantern. Oh my yeah. gosh, I kind of forgot. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my movie, gosh. My head. You guys have to hear it too. Sorry. Oh, that is too funny. Um, okay, guys. Last last question, and we'll wrap things up. Okay. So. Uh, again, all these announcements with different directors for new Star Wars movies. Um, these Star Wars movies are still on a timeline. The next Star Wars movie is scheduled to come out in December 2022. Uh, you know, obviously there is no type of production or filming that can be happening right now with the uh, the the coronavirus pandemic uh, bringing the movie industry to a s- screeching halt. But um, we don't really even know what these new movies are going to be about when they take place. We just know that the Skywalker saga has come to an end. So these are not going to have anything to do with Luke or Vader or the Skywalker family or Ray Palpatine slash Skywalker. Um, I honestly don't think, uh, you know, I really don't think we're going to see those characters ever again in a Star Wars movie. And one, I don't think they'd ever, I don't think Oscar Isaac or, or any of them would ever agree to coming back to Star Wars. I think it was, it ended up being such a bad experience for them. Um, especially, I mean, John Boyega, I mean, he, he seems pretty salty about, <laughs> about how things have, he's so hilarious, <laughs> so, social yeah, he's hilarious. Um, so, so it's going to be interesting, but my question is, and we'll end on this. What, what do you guys want the new movies to be about? If they say, Hey, we're going to do a new trilogy and so-and-so is going to be the director. What do you want the stories to be about? What time frame do you want them to take place in? Um, formal, why don't you go first? 
Um, well, aside from like, I would be fine with the Obi-Wan stuff. Um, but, uh, I think since she's technically now going to be on season two of the Mandalorian, I'm fine with it. They given that it goes well, that they bring, um, so Katano to the big screen. I think that could be good depending on how they take her in season two of the Mandalorian. I'm not sure yet. Like I could see where they go with that. Cause I, I like her character and I like where she went in the show, in the animated show. So it's, I could see that being interesting. Um, and then there's like older stuff that I'm not too familiar with that if they start then great. And it's, brand new and it, they can if they do it pretty much all uh prior to uh episode one then i mean that makes it really easy to come up with stuff that doesn't make sense i guess at least kind of if that makes i don't know if that makes any sense but like they're able to create new things because it's not tied so much to um i guess the uh, george lucas stuff so i think i could see them doing that cool Cool. Mikey, what about you? Or the video game. Um, well, okay, so I know that Disney has already announced, um, or Star Wars has already announced, that they're putting out new books and comics and stories of the uh, what they're calling the High Republic era, which is about 500 years prior to episode one. God, I'm a nerd. But... Um, <laughs> and we love you for it, Mikey. Problem- <laughs> my problem here. with their, with their <laughs> going there... Um, and I'll have to disagree with you, Formal, is that they, through video games and comics and other books, they've already, before this new Disney contract, they've already told stories of, you know, it's called Knights of the Old Republic. And they've told these stories of times before all the quote-unquote Star Wars we know. And people love those stories, and people are so invested in those stories. Some people more than the original sequel stuff that they did that that once once Disney bought a uh, Lucasfilm that fans lost their mind over that they changed things and and they 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 switched the stories around so i would rather them go to a place that has never been touched that like has just either go so far back or go so far forward you know go thousands of years in the future where you know maybe the name skywalker is a legend or people are you know it's, it's anything like that just do something that's actually brand new, that's never been done before. That way it can be judged on itself and not constantly compared to something else. All right, Ray. Cool. Um, so for me, obviously the Obi-Wan stuff's going to be massive, so that would have always been my first choice if they weren't doing that. Um, but since they are, I, I'd love to see... Have you guys seen like? Have you guys seen Better Call Saul? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So what I love uh, about I Better Call Saul yeah. is Better Call Saul is obviously he's not a bad guy, like, but he's obviously he's not a good guy. And there's what happens Better Call Saul is he starts off being a good guy, but you know he's going to end up being a bad guy, and and they they play off of that, like you they play off him kind of turning into this this bit of a crook. And I've always thought it'd be really cool if they did something like that with Palpatine and did maybe a story of. Palpatine actually starting off being a, a decent guy, like hmm. you know what I mean. He just try, and then he he falls. That sounds like the original trilogy. Of... I mean, not hey? original, the sequel, the prequel trilogy. Is that what Anakin was basically? But no, because I think like <laughs> I think more the sense of the fact that 
it could be something like that, but I think they could play more. They could do more of a story on it because with Anakin, I know that you like he obviously turned into Darth Vader and stuff, and like you knew that he was going to become Darth Vader. But Palpatine's a much different different person to Vader. You could understand why he be, what like why he's so evil and why he's so hungry for power like constantly. Darth Vader isn't doesn't become hungry for power. He just wants to save. Like he wants the power to save Padme, and then once she dies, like he just no. like that. Where you just get an understanding on why he's so hungry for power and why he wants to like live forever and stuff like that. And and they might be able to save the they might be able to save these uh, the sequel trilogy with maybe adding a bit more <laughs> understanding on why he'd want to like clone himself or whatever, and just go down that route, but but kind of play it more in a little bit where you kind of like him a little bit. And you don't want him to turn into the person that he does, but you know it's inevitable and kind of play off that a little bit. I think that'd be quite interesting. And then you get an understanding of that that era as well. Like then maybe him learning about like the chosen one, like, do you know what I mean? That could put a, an issue in the plans and just a bit more of that era. And you can maybe learn maybe a bit like of Yoda. And I just think that whole era of these these characters before, they could have, talk about the legend of kind of Yoda who lives on like the light side of the force and stuff and get a bit more background without there being a Yoda film and stuff. And just a little bit more like that, but it's centered around Palpatine. That's what I think would be cool. So this is my... No, oh, go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say like that. The reason like I, w- I was talking about doing something that no one's ever done before. No one's ever... Because my problem like that... Honestly, Ryan, that sounded interesting just to see where a character that I know really well comes from. But my problem is like, I know where he's going to end up. And that's one reason why I liked Rogue One so much, because it was based off of one line from the original opening crawl. The rebels have just won their first victory. Like that's it. We knew nothing. We didn't know if these people were going to make it out alive. We knew nothing about any of these characters. And I was still compelled, even though I knew where the general story went, I was invested in these characters and I had no idea where their story was going, which is why it's so devastating at the end when they all die. Spoiler alert. Sorry. And, you know, so <laughs> that's why I, I'd rather just see something brand new. But I, your story was interesting. I, I yeah. No, that's why I brought up like Better Call Soul, because as they introduce so many characters that you don't see in Breaking Bad, but yet they're amazing. And and you still wonder what's going to happen to them. And every time they pl- they play off that, there's so many characters you think, right, they're going to die now because they're not in Breaking Bad. And then they, they manage to get out of it and they're alive. And they just, they kind of play off of that a little bit. So yeah, like I get what you're saying, but I think they could they could use that and, and do something like how the Better Call have done and done it quite clever and kind of play off that a bit. But yeah, Andre, what's your view? All right, so this is what I want. And I think it kind of goes in line with kind of, kind of the the new era of what at least what DC's been doing um in focusing on villains. So obviously we know a lot about the Jedi, we know a lot about the history of the Jedi. What we don't know a lot about is the Sith and their history and origins and things like that. I think even if it was just a solo film, um I think even turning into a trilogy, kind of like a Game of Thrones style type type of series but um um i think i think focusing on the sith i think could be really really intriguing you know even though you know they're they are quote unquote the bad guys technically the bad guys i think you know uh and i'm not too familiar with it mikey you can correct me but uh, from what i understand you know a thousand years ago in the star wars universe there was a sith empire so it wasn't just this like rule of two you know, just kind of these, 
shadowy hidden figures, you know, kind of being, you know, whatever in the universe. Um, but that there were lots and lots of them kind of like there were lots and lots of Jedi. Um, something like that I think could be really intriguing because kind of focusing on, on this other area of the Star Wars universe that we really don't know much about and not, not that we're going to make it sympathetic, but maybe in lines with like how, you know, the movie Joker, um, you know, you, you, you never, you, you don't like Joker. I mean, he's the bad guy the all, through and through the whole movie, you know, but I think something like that could be intriguing, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't really when know. You can, like when you really can know. get understanding, I think I like that. It's like when you can get an understanding for why someone is like what they are, you end up feeling a bit different towards it, even though you know what they're doing is bad. Like yeah. when you can understand how they got to that situation, you do feel a bit more I'm not sure if sympathy is the word because you have sympathy for someone that's stabbing someone in the eye like in Joker, but <laughs> it's understanding. Have, <laughs> you have understanding. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that would be really cool. Andre, cool. definitely. Well guys, this has been a lot of fun. Sure that- oh, here, go ahead. Formal. Go ahead. Not over yet. I guess like, I guess like, uh, just to, well, what you said, Mikey, like about like, obviously you have like all these fans that, uh, obviously like the nice, of the old Republic and everything like that. This is kind of, I guess, from, like, how Disney approaches it. Do you approach it with, like, uh, with trying to appease those fans or, like, the general population? Because, like, me, I know that those things exist. I, I, I know the Knights of the Old Republic exists. Having said that, I never, I didn't play those games. I haven't read anything aside from random Wikipedia articles every now and again. So how does, like, I guess, Disney, like, approach that? Because... Those things, I think, from like you, like you said, you have a, this huge fan base toward it. But then there's also a lot of people, myself included, um, that don't know those stories. And I don't know how many of them are canon now, but like, mm-hmm. how often are they going to go and read the the books about them? Okay, so then my my rebuttal to you, sir, is <laughs> how many general audience members are asking about a history of how many no one no one except for the hardcore fans really care how the first lightsaber was invented or anything like that they just want to see a movie so i think that disney should go off and make their own movies about stuff that's never been touched before rather than pissing off the people who are already invested in these things that have come before because general audience people they don't care who trained yoda they don't care (laughs) <laughs> my mom who i've gotten into star wars and she loves watching them she's never asked me you know where these people come from or anything like that she doesn't care general audience people they don't care they just want to see a good movie so make a good movie without pissing everybody else off That's just what I, mean. <laughs> I mean and if you think about it i mean you know what what context did the original star wars have when it came out in 1977 no one knew these characters no one knew what it was about and yet if you if you're able to tell us a good story and that's what matters the most is the story good? Are the characters yep. written well? And if they are, people will jump on board. So, okay, last last question. This is the final question. Okay, just just uh, rapid fire. Okay, if you guys could choose any director to to direct a Star Wars movie, who do you got? Dave Filoni. Okay. Let's hear it, guys. Come on, oh, bro. I know oh, who so, you're okay. thinking, right? Right. Just say it. Just say it already. Just say it. I gotta think. Um. <laughs> my favorite director came in my head and I was like Christopher Nolan but I'm like no he wouldn't do a good but he wouldn't do a good Star Wars film I don't think it'd be too, <laughs> it'd be too serious um, I always I always thought Matthew Vaughn would be good 
Even though I don't cool. like Kingsman, if I forget Kingsman, I think Matthew Vaughn could do a good Star Wars film. I think Villeneuve could do a good because he's good at sci-fi. Yeah, de- mm. yeah, Denis Villeneuve. I think that's a really good Andre, choice. Don't don't say Zack Snyder. Oh, of course, man. Of course, <laughs> I'm gonna say Zack Snyder <laughs> for the visual for the visual feast that it would be alone. Get somebody else to write it um, so that he doesn't get all the flack when people hate it. Um, no, but no, that yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. You know, I I wonder if Disney's going to continue just to kind of do what how Marvel's done and just select select these up and coming directors that they can kind of you know mold exactly. You know, they're not they're not going to get you know. I, I I doubt someone as big as Denis Villeneuve or you know maybe Matthew Vaughn might agree to it, but you know, um, but we'll see. We'll see, guys. This has been a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. I think this was great for our hundredth episode. Um, really appreciate you guys coming on, Rye. I know it's super late for you. I think it. I think I see on your wall it says midnight right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rye, though, that's good, man. I appreciate it. So, and listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the, the, you know, for everyone who's um, who's been with us from the beginning, I, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support. And for those of you who've joined us recently, we hope you continue to stay. Um, and that we, uh, yeah, keep, keep giving you guys content that you, you enjoy. So, um, let's, let's go ahead and let the listeners know how they guys, uh, how, how they can follow you guys online and reach out to you if they want to chat. Uh, Mikey, why don't you go first? Oh, uh, you can follow me everywhere. There is to follow somebody, uh, at Mikey Hidalgo and just, it's just my name, uh, last name H I D A L G O. That's it. Formal uh yeah pretty much the same facebook instagram twitter letterbox reddit everything at the formal review right yeah. <laughs> um as always guys uh lifeoffilms.com um come over and if you want to get in touch then you get touch through there very cool all right everyone um thanks again until next time we'll see you guys later the Backseat Director's theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Director's podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The perfect road. Why? It's the perfect day for a movie. Let's go see a show. Let's go to the movies and see a show. of movies we can all choose from there's action adventure animation and comedy there's sci-fi and westerns and classics documentaries uh, so many options so much variety there's a perfect movie for you and him and her and me uh, so find your seat in the perfect row Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.